morning. I'm here today to give you a supplementary teaching to lay a foundation for the series on deception in the church. So the title of this supplementary section would be Deception in the Church Part 4, Philosophies of the World. If you would, just imagine a staircase that leads from the presence of God down into the pit of hell. And on that staircase there are various landings and then at the middle of the land of the middle of the staircase the middle landing the staircase divides into three separate staircases all going into the pit of hell. Now what I want you to imagine is that on each landing there is a philosophy that is designed by the enemy to take you one step further away from having fear in God and worshipping God and serving God to actually worshipping the devil. And each of these philosophies are designed to draw you from God's presence, turn you away from God and ultimately lead you to accept Satan as God. That's the ultimate purpose, I believe, of these philosophies. Another thing I want to say to you is that as we're going through these philosophies, I want you to understand that these are my personal interpretations of what I see these philosophies do. You might disagree with me, and that is your prerogative, that is your privilege to disagree with me. And I've no problem with that. In Proverbs 23, verse 6 to 7, it says, an interesting passage, it says, Eat not the bread of him who has a hard, grudging, and envious eye. Neither desire his dainty foods. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As one who reckons, he says to you, eat and drink, yet his heart is not with you, but is grudging the cost. We've all come across people like that, two-faced. They'll say one thing to your face, but in their heart, they actually believe another thing. Now that belief system is introduced into their lives by a philosophy, a philosophy of this world. That philosophy of this world begins to shape that person with regards to how they think and how they believe. And how, how you think and how you believe ultimately has an effect on how you live. So it's your, it, it influences your behavior. Now there are many philosophies out there. And uh, they've got all different kinds of ideas with regards to how a person lives. I need to say this, that even though I disagree in most part with most of these philosophies other than a biblical worldview, within each of these philosophies there are good ideas, there are good points. But my problem with these philosophies is their root is Satan. Their root is Satan and their objective is to get you to worship Satan and that's where I have my big, big problem. One of the, all but one really have serious weaknesses and very, very dangerous consequences if the application of the purpose of the philosophy, which is to get you to worship Satan, is fully realized within your life. Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 and he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, 
rather than on Christ. Before we go into the various philosophies, just have, have these few questions in the forefront of your, your mind as you listen to this podcast. How much has the philosophies of this world influenced your beliefs? How do those beliefs that you have affect your life, your relationships, your ministry in church, your ministry in the world? Okay, let's get into this philosophy and let's begin on the first landing that takes you away from the worship of God. And that first landing is the philosophy of formalism. Okay, formalism basically is full of religious people. It's the religious person that takes their first step away from God because it's the religious person and almost all other people that deny God's right to change them. See, it is God's right to change you. And a formalist denies God that right. And so formalism now essentially is a faith in tradition. And formalism has its root in pride and has its root in self, in selfishness. I will not allow God to change me. I'm good enough as I am. I've got a couple of little points here about formalism that I, w- I want to just run through. And then I want to talk to you about quickly, on a separate issue, the two things that a disciple is responsible for. And then we'll get into materialism, which is the next landing. So a formalist is a person that is not willing to change the way they do things because it's always the way they've, doing, they've done things. It's what their fathers did. It's what they do. It's what they're going to teach their children to do. And so they're very set in the tradition of their ways. A formalist denies God the right to change their lives. So he, he, he then has to create a tradition to justify him saying no to God. Now they'll never ever actually come out and say this. But this is essentially what they do. This is at the root of it. Formalist breeds religion. Because religion is man's attempt to get to God. And religion often, if not most of the time, gets wrapped up in the camouflage of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 11:13-15 For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is No great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So they will always appear righteous. A formalist breaks the first commandment. Because the minute you deny God the right to change you, you've placed yourself above God. And Exodus 20 verse 3, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before Or besides me. And so you have to begin to substitute God for a set of rules and a set of traditions and the trappings that go with all those rules and traditions. The minute you do that, you then have to break the second commandment. And so a formalist then breaks the second commandment by replacing true worship with ritual with the worship of idols that represent God, with the worship of legis- rules and regulations, with a liturgy that goes all around the place. Now these things 
can appear to be aids in worship, but in effect they become the worship, the thing that is worshipped. Exodus 20 verse 4, you shall make no, make for yourself, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. This is important for you to understand. God's, God, God's word, God's message, God's ways never change. Now, the minute you align yourself to God, the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you repent of your sins, and you step into the kingdom of God as a child of God, the minute that that happens, you are the one that has to do the changing. And that change is called sanctification. It is a process whereby the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, and through the washing in the word, the water, begins to transform you into the image of His Son. If you are unwilling to change, and if there are specific areas within your life that you lock down, effectively what you are doing within those areas is you keeping your foot in, in the area of formalism. So you've got one foot on the landing of formalism. And what we then do then is we then begin to disguise that sin by rules, by rituals, by religion, and by works of righteousness. And that is a very, very dangerous place to be. Formalism is the first landing away from the worship, true worship of the Lord. And it is probably the most dangerous place to find yourself in. Because next to formalism, all the other things fall into place. It's like a domino effect. Just on the side, a disciple is responsible for two things in, your, in their life. So if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ... You then are responsible for two things in your life. The first thing, it is your personal responsibility to acknowledge God's right to speak into your life based on His Word. Let me repeat that. As a disciple of Jesus, your first responsibility is to come before God and say, Lord, change me. Here I am, I'm ready to change. And the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, will take the word as a plumb line, the blood of Jesus, and he will align you, he will transform you into the image of his son. We have to take his advice, we have to take his guidance, we have to take his direction, we have to take heed of his warnings. And I want you to also notice something, whenever I'm talking about a disciple, primarily I'm talking about a disciple who takes primary or first responsibility or personal responsibility for the development of their life in the Lord. You take personal responsibility. You pay attention yourself. And in this way, we can then become witnesses to Him by living this authentic Christ-centered lifestyle and proving that we are the children of God in the generation that we're in. So a disciple of Christ, a man of God, a woman of God, through their own free will choice, Galatians 5.1, allows God the right to speak into their lives, allows the Holy Spirit to change them to become like Jesus. The second responsibility of the disciple is to make disciples, Matthew 28.18-20. So formalism, 
The first landing is where a disciple denies God the right to speak into their lives and he, thereby giving the devil a foothold within their life. So the devil then will, will come in and establish territory within that disciple's life. And the disciple will then begin to disguise that bad behavior, that foothold, that influence with acts of righteousness. Now, no one wants to be known as disobedient. No one wants to be known as a, a, a sinner, especially if you're a Christian. No one wants to be, be, be accused of being wrong. So what do they do? In defense, they throw up camouflage. They, the, the camouflage will come in as religious piety. They throw up a disguise, doing the right thing. This is PC correctness. This is religious correctness. We must be seen to be doing the right thing because that is our disguise, because behind the disguise are all the strongholds. Masks of serene holiness. You know, we act as if we are in communion with the Lord, but we're not, because we've got these strongholds within our lives. All of this is designed to look and sound like biblical Christianity. They take the disguise, it becomes part of their lifestyle, it opens them up to the other landings and the influence of the devil to draw them down onto those landings. For example, the religious spirit coming in has done more damage, I would say, to individual Christians, Christian families and local churches than any other spirit that I know. The moment you deny God the right to change you, you replace that right with rules and regulations. Please go and read... Matthew 23, verse 26 to 28, and Psalm 5, verse 9. So from this point onwards, we now step down to the next level. And the next level is, as I've mentioned, materialism. Faith in things. So formalism is faith in tradition. Materialism is faith in things. We pay more attention... To things than the creator of the universe. We pay more attention to what he's made than to him. And that's idolatry. Materialism makes creation the object of worship and not the creator the object of worship. A disciple should live like this. Jesus said in Luke 14.33. In the same way. Those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Paul to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So a disciple needs to live a Christ-centered life. We need to gain an understanding of, of the, 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 the teaching of being a bond slave, a servant, a steward of the Most High God. Not, becoming a, uh, not, not being in the household as a slave, but being in the household as a child, a child of God. Materialism, full-blown, even, in, it, well, even in, if, if, in, in, in various diminished uh, levels, cannot go hand in hand with true discipleship. Please go and read Matthew thirteen forty four to 46, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. A disciple cannot live a self-centered lifestyle. I mean, the person who actually tries to 
save their life and hold on to everything, ultimately is going to lose everything. Because that is what Jesus said. Luke 9, 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And for whoever loses their life for me will save it. 1 Timothy 5, 6 says, the widow who lives for pleasure is dead while she lives. So if you are living a life that is self-centered, that is based on things, you're actually dead. Ultimately, you'll lose everything. Whatever you worship is your master. Whatever you worship controls you. Romans 6.16 Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Materialism, I found, can manifest itself in all of these landings. Okay, for example, it can manifest in formalism where you've got people that are more hold more hold hold a building a church building more dear than worshiping God. They they will hold the things in the building uh, to a higher value than actually God. They would love the system, the the denomination more than they would love God. You can find materialism, say for example, manifesting in existentialism. We'll talk about that later. A, a love of the planet. More than the love of God. More than the love of a human life. And so materialism is a faith in things. It's when people settle and get comfortable. And they pay less attention to God. And more attention to the things that he's made. The next step down is humanism. So we've got humanism. And then we've got modernism. And then we get down into rationalism. Now. Humanism is faith in man. Modernism is faith in men. So let me go back to humanism now. Because these two basically open ourselves, open us up, back up into the realm of the supernatural. See, because what the devil does is when he takes us away from the worship of God, we're in the supernatural with God, we're, in, we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, he takes us away from the supernatural into what we would think is the material world. And then when we get fed up with the emptiness of the philosophies that we find in the material world, when we realize that we just, we're more than just a meat machine that evolved and is going to die and then nothing exists, we then, he then starts to draw us down back in to the spiritual dimension, but a spiritual dimension without the protections of God Almighty. And so, humanism and modernism begins to prepare the ground for us entering into the spiritual realm. And rationalism, faith in the mind, begins to basically open us up to all of that. Faith in man. Okay? We get to the stage because all the way through formalism and materialism, God has been warning us and he's been warning us. And he's been warning us. But what we've done is we've insulated ourselves from God. And we've said, God, you don't have the right to change me. Therefore, I put my faith in things. And I now need to assuade my conscience. Because my conscience is beeping. So, I need to start 
you know, man is a good thing. I, I need to believe in man. There, there is potential in man. I mean, look what God did for mankind. All the, all the stuff he's put inside of us. It is great. And, 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 and all sarcasm aside here, God created man and God placed within mankind gifts and abilities that are phenomenal, that do come from him. But what is the danger of a humanistic thought? One of the dangers, and you'll see this coming into the church, and I'll be preaching about it in, in two podcast time, is the belief that we can become like God. Little gods. So in essence, we believe that we can become like God in essence. So humanist now moves into the area where, okay, man is good, but we must deny the inherent sin within man. So we ignore man's sin. And to justify our ignoring that conscience that is going off all the time, we plunge ourselves into good works. These things might be acceptable to man. But God will see the heart and the real motive. And all of our works will eventually be exposed by Jesus Christ for what they actually are. You see, we all know deep inside that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. In Acts 17.31, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. In Hebrews 9.27, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. This is inherent within us. We all, we all know it's there. But we push it away. And we push this alarm inside of us away. And, and, and this alarm is going off and it's creating all kinds of guilt and problems for us. The sin inside of us, you know, making us do things that are contrary to the word of God. So we, we go to psychiatrists, we go to psychologists to get help. And so the best that a psychiatrist can do is to show us where the guilt comes from. The best a psychologist can do is help us manage living with that guilt. And so we go to anger management classes. We, we, we go to places where we can learn how to manage this behavior, this sinful behavior. They cannot remove it. Only God can remove it. Only Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, can we have forgiveness of sins. But what we've done is we've said, no, I don't give God the right to change me. And therefore we have to, we, we then go into a process where we start to begin to spiral down. And we, we, we get pushed more and more into works of righteousness and not going to the God of righteousness and getting his righteousness. 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So now we have faith in man. We've, we've got a formalism, faith in tradition. And now we've gone into materialism, which is a faith in things. And now we have faith in man, which is humanism. And humanism now begins to give birth to a whole slew of things that just don't do mankind any, any good. And so we've got this next landing, which is called modernism. And you can hear 
all the various terminologies around of modernism and modern era, postmodernism, etc. But in my book, generally, it is, a, it, it, is, is, it is where we begin to have faith in men. Okay, so we've denied God the right to change me. We've focused on the things of God. We've looked at us becoming the center of our existence and doing good things and, 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 and beginning to manage the, the, the manifestations and effects and, 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 the, and the results of sin in our life. So now our focus now begins to move away from being God-centric. See, even, even in humanism, we can be a little bit God-centric. But here, here we really begin to move away from, in, in the humanism area, away from God. And we, we, we start to accept the more atheistic philosophies out there. And we, we, we begin to take God out of our lives completely. So here at this stage, we begin to adapt God's word to suit whatever we want justified. So we've got all these arguments why we cherry pick the word of God. And we've got all these teachers that can come along and take away from God's word and add to God's word. And all they are doing at this point is they are opening us up to the spirit realm where the demons are and the doctrine of devils are going to come into us. So modernism grows out of religious humanism. It's, it's a, a modernist is a person that lives by their feeling. You know, they've, they, they, they have a desire to... Meet the needs of the sick, the, the uneducated, the poor and the hungry. But the danger here is again, they're pushing themselves further and further into appeasing their conscience by doing good deeds, which is selfishness. Good deeds can never take away the need for you to personally get saved and accept Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. Ephesians 2, 8-10 For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So Jesus taught that a life of good works comes from salvation. It is a natural result of of the transforming power of God within our lives, that He realigns us to basically begin to implement the principles of His kingdom into our society. Salvation results in good works. Good works does not result in salvation. Faith in man starts to push in to doing the good works. A modernist also basically gets asked and answered and answers the same question that the devil answered, asked Eve. Did God really say? So there's a real strong challenge to the authority of God over the life of mankind. They will not accept the Bible as an absolute guide for their lives. Uh, they will not hold themselves under the word of God as the absolute guide. And they will not allow the Holy Spirit to come in and use the word of God as a mirror and as a light to basically align themselves to where God really wants them to go. 
So a modernist will come in and begin to rethink the laws of Jesus Christ. The danger of having a modernist in the church today is they will be bringing in the New Age movement where they are taking away huge chunks of the Word of God. And the next Sunday sermon I preach will be we'll deal with the question of, of, of who Jesus is and the question that people are being challenged now, did God really say? And you can become a little God. Situational ethics is a form that comes out of modernism. It's an outgrowth of modernism and that is also coming into the church now and influencing the church on moral issues, on, on, on the issues of sex, on the issues of marriage, on the gay issues. So situational ethics is basically the doctrine of flexibility in the application of moral law to any given situation or any circumstance. And so what they come along and say is that, no, if, if, if the Bible says something, but the situation says another thing, we have to adopt the Bible to the situation and not the situation to the Bible. So eventually a modernist then is one that will basically very, very skillfully and very, very carefully falsely present the law of God. They will misrepresent God. They will misrepresent God. And there will be a deliberate misunderstanding of His Word with regards to its content, the spirit of, its, uh, the, spirit of the Word, and the application of the Word. So a modernist now really aggressively begins to shred the Bible and move God out of His Word. This then opens the door for the rationalist rationalism and 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 from rationalism we now we now enter into the three areas three three staircases of rationalism because rationalism now opens us up into these three areas rationalism is faith in the mind so a rationalist now through the teaching of the modernist is confidently able to strip away dead religion, to strip away the traditions and the trappings of that religion. And, even, and, and they even go so far as to say they don't even believe in God. And, and so from here on down, through rationalism, people can take the stairway of government, people can take the stairway of social justice and socialism, and people can take the stairway of spirituality. I'm not saying that one is exclusive to the other. If you're on one, you can't have the other. All of this is interlinked. So here we have a system without the true God governing the need and its need and, and, and its needs to actually govern and rule and, 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 and lead people. So they've denied God's word, they've denied God's rights. The next simple step for them is, is, is to give up any pretense of religion and deny God himself. Now you'll find in the church, and I'll show this to you in the, in the weeks to come, that you've got many, many modernists in the church. And, and, and they, they, they are presenting doctrines very skillfully that are really disguises of the new age coming into the church. Okay, now 
it is, it, they still acknowledge the God of the Bible. Yet it is one small step to basically begin to deny God himself. And you already started to see that here, here and there. Rationalism leaves God out altogether and they just start with man. It's a philosophy that promotes a universe without God. And rationalists begin to really think that they are the, um, really the, the big thinkers, the big scientists. They know it all. You know, you can't come against a rationalist with a biblical argument because, no, the Bible is irrelevant. It's written 2,000 years ago. It's got no relevance today. So rationalist begins only with himself and where he ends up, he doesn't know. Now, here's the danger of rationalism. They, they, they're making man a meat machine here. This is the end result. We, 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 we are created beings and we have no end. We die and that's it. And this is creating angst when people get close to death. And so what happens is now they get opened up to searching. And so they will search for meaning in a governmental system, in a social system, or in a spiritual system. So he denies that he's been created by a personal God and he ends up only as a meat machine and so the rationalist begins to throw God out and ultimately ends up throwing himself out as well. And Paul shows us this in the letter to Romans. If you go and read Romans chapter 1, it basically outlines to you the, the, the stepping down and the stepping away from what God is and what God created us to be to exchanging the truth for the lie and, and, and how it results in a deteriorate, deterioration of our behavior. And what you are seeing in our society mirrors the philosophies of those that are governing our society. And so we are having this corruption of our society because people are becoming modernists, humanists and rationalists. And then they step in into these other three areas which we'll discuss in a, in a few minutes. So a rationalist gives up faith. Fights off God, does not love God back, even though God loves him, and ends up living a life totally dependent on flesh desires and depraved needs. Bible calls someone like this a fool. The fool says in his heart there is no God, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. Psalm 14 verse 1. Romans 1, 18-22, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, been understood for what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. <coughs> Excuse me. So at this juncture, people then begin to look for meaning in life. You know, 
the modernist and the rationalist get us to a point where there is no future. We, we live now, and then when we die, it's all over. That's it. And so people begin to ask, well, what is the purpose of life? I mean, we can't be this mistake, this universal mistake, this evolutionary mistake. We can't, then there needs to be more than this. And so to fill that need, we, we then move down three staircases. The first one is a governmental system where society or the government ruling society becomes what we look for, and that is Marxism, faith in Marx, faith in communism. Uh, to govern a godless society, you need a, a, a real brutal regime. So you've got these governments, communist governments, and you see the results of living under communism. Uh, so in, in the eastern governments, you've got Russia, you've got China, and then in the west, <coughs> excuse me, you've got socialism. And you see the results of socialism and its effects in Europe. You see the United States being radically transformed into a socialistic country. And so what you're getting is you're getting these um, progressives coming into the western democracies now and progressively transforming them. So that because they do not believe in God, they have to rule society because society doesn't know how to rule themselves. And what you then begin to find is that these systems do not meet the needs of the spiritual people. And so these systems basically open people up to searching in the spiritual realm. And we'll deal with that when we come to existentialism. And so people go down these routes. People that are sickened by the discrepancies in society. Angry with the mess in the world. Where rich people are, 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 are rich to a sickening level. And poor people are poor to a sickening level and they see this, le this, this injustice and it sickens them inside. Um, they look at religion and how religion, basically according to them, is a tool to keep this system going. And so they'll spend a lot of time, a lot of money and even spend their lives to radically transform their society to make it a more just society. The problem is... You cannot have justice without the God of justice. But they've already thrown him out. And so they, they, they introduce these governances which are brutal in the extreme. Now, communism copies a lot of Christian methods. But effectively, communism is a real... Um, is, an, is an opposite. Even though it counterfeits, it's a complete opposite to what Christianity is. So, once people realize that there's more to life than just being a meat sandwich, they start to search and they, 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 they go into existentialism. So, we've dealt with formalism, which is faith in tradition. We move down to faith in things, materialism, humanism, faith in man, modernism, 
faith in men, rationalism, faith in mind, and then we start dividing ourselves down into the three areas, which is government, um, social gov- socialism, and the church, and we, we start to look for systems that will govern us. But then in our search, we then begin to start knocking on the door of the spiritual realm there. So you can see we've been brought out of the spiritual realm of God. And slowly but surely, we've been brought down around and back into the spiritual realm. But we've gone into the spiritual realm without God now. So, faith in faith. Once a person reaches this place, (laughs) things are really going to get bad because these guys they believe in anything uh, to try and define existentialism is pretty difficult so yeah it's 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 my my understanding of existentialism is they will believe in anything and they will accept anything except the god of creation so existentialism effectively is a search for meaning outside of logic, outside of God. And so they are trying to fill the God vacuum inside their lives. And they go into the spiritual realm to find it without the authority and protection of God in that spiritual realm. And therefore they open themselves up to be enslaved by the demonic forces of the devil within that spiritual realm, which are welcoming them with open arms, with the doctrines of demons, and with every promise that the devil has to offer them. So rationalism basically is empty. They see, they see, people see it, it's, it's empty. And, 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 and so they, they begin to search for meaning. They begin to search for truth. But the problem is they've rejected the God of truth. They've rejected the truth. They've rejected the word. They've rejected Jesus Christ. And so now they are searching for truth by rejecting the truth. And they move into the spiritual realm to find meaning. And uh, these searches become existential. They become experiential. Experience-centered. Okay, so anything goes here. It's not based on fact. It's not based on the Word of God. Anything goes. And, and, and it's, it's up to you. There is no objective in the search. It's all subjective. So you can't really define it. And, and, and this takes on so many different forms. So what a choice for a secular person to come into, you know. Coming out of a, the despair of thinking that they're a meat machine, feeling that there is, there, there is definitely something out there that they need to know that is the truth, but then getting led into this mire of falsehood, it's truly, it's truly it's, it's saddening. And without any biblical foundations, any search into the realm of the spirit without a biblical foundation, without a biblical understanding, will, will, in my book, open you up to a deceptive experience. Now, the Bible says, if you search for the Lord, you will find, you. He, you, you will find him. And I truly believe that. And so any, any person listening to this that is searching for God, you really need to begin to understand, to search for the God of all truth. Go in and search, get, get hold of a Bible, begin reading the Bible, get hold of a discipleship group. Get in there and let them lead you into a full salvation in Jesus Christ. 
But without any biblical understanding, any search for a religious experience outside of the parameters of the Bible, outside of God, will open you up to deception. So modern man now begins to react to this um, invasion of technology, to this invasion of rationalism, humanism, modernism, this nothingness, and, 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 and they, they begin to search for truth, but the problem is they go into non-Christian mysticism without any Bible. I mean, even, even the word Jesus has become an enemy of the person of Jesus Christ because there are people out there that use Jesus to describe anything and anyone. One thing about this group, if I can describe this group with one word, sadly I have to say deception. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 to 4 Therefore since God, through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everybody's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Stepping into the supernatural without the protection of Jesus Christ, basically, the God of this age will blind you to who He really is. From existentialism, which is now faith in faith, existentialism now opens us up into pure demonic worship, spiritism, faith in fear. And uh, this is the, the variety of Satan's belief systems. And here, it doesn't matter who you acknowledge, what name you call him by, ultimately here in this area, you are acknowledging that Satan is God. Now, this is just a little bit on the side here. Um, as we get close to the return of Jesus Christ, and I believe it is really, really imminent, you're going to get two of these major systems coalescing. So you're going to get the system of government, Marxism and socialism, because the world is really pushing itself into socialism. And you're going to get the religious system, which is pushing itself into ecumenicalism. These two are going to be joined so the first one that's going to rise is the ecumenical system, and that will rise up. And, 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 and like I said last week, the counterfeit Holy Spirit, it's going to promote the counterfeit Antichrist, which is the governmental system and its leader. And, and, and so the political system of man ruling without God basically is going to start to really coalesce. And you're going to, you, if, if you look discerningly, you can, you can see where these two streams are heading with the current crises going on in the world today. Just, just think about what I've said and, and then just start looking into it and saying, okay, what is happening with the global church? The global church is beginning to split. The bride of Christ and the whore of Babylon. And she's going to ride the beast. She's going to promote it. And you can see it 
in politics, you can see it in economics, you can see it in the spirit realm, you can see it in 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 uh, the the church. Everything everything is pushing towards this rise of the first beast that will promote the second beast. So just keep your eyes alert. Just watch out for those two systems. The political system and the religious system is going to combine under the Antichrist and he will implement the mark of the beast and the mark of the beast will be Satan's attempt to get global worship for himself. Satan will be served until Jesus then comes and binds him into the bottomless pit and then, yeah, he begins to set up his rule. Anyway, back to spiritism, faith in fear. All these existential philosophies will always open the door to spiritism. This is the occult world. This is the world that is infested with demonic forces. This communication with deceiving spirits often follows a person's hunger for the supernatural that uh, has not been met by this mealy-mouthed, powerless churchianity that is out there. This formalism. You know, we, we, we know that we were made to connect with God. It's deep within us. The Bible tells us this. And, and, and God is spirit and we worship him in spirit and in truth. And there is a place in our hearts that has been created for God to fill. But we, mankind now, because we've rejected God, has to fill it. And these demons are really willing and ready to fill it for, for, for you. And so what we've got to understand is that Within us, there, are, there, there is this tendency to push into the supernatural. Because there is this vacuum in us, this place in us that only God can, fulfill, can fill. And so we push in, because we've rejected God, we push back into the spirit realm, or the spiritists do, this, the, the existentialists do. They push back into the spirit realm. And then what happens is they become ensnared in the works of the enemy. And they become worshippers of Satan instead of worshipping God. The Bible warns us clearly about going into the spirit realm. The Bible warns us clearly about connecting with all kinds of the people that are connected with the spirit realm. For example, in Leviticus 19.31 it says this. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists. For you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So God has ruled... That we only enter into the spiritual realm following protocols set up out of his word. Through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we enter into the spiritual realm and worship God. These are the safeguards that God has set in place. But what has happened is the devil has moved us away from these safeguards, taken us to a point where we reject God, we reject these safeguards, and then he has now led us back into the spirit realm, and he uses various techniques and various ways, Eastern meditation, uh, Eastern religions, New Age religions, which is all the Eastern religions coming in and is now mainstream, uh, Eastern medical treatments, Ching, tarot cards, fortune telling, crystal balls, palm reading, astrology, horoscopes, um, astral projection, uh, transportation projection, 
seeking, seeking spiritual encounters through seances, Ouija boards, using all kinds of various techniques to get in touch with the spiritual forces, which we think are in the spirit realm, which we think these people think are gods, but they're actually demons. And now what is happening in our modern day is that this, these teachings and these techniques are now starting to show up in technology. And so you even have to be aware of technology because there's going to be a mix of technology together with Eastern religions, with the worship of demons. And so you've got to watch out for your games. You've got to watch out for all forms of stuff. You've got to be so alert. You've got to be aware because these last days, even the elective possible, are going to be deceived. Now, when people walk in without the protection of God into these areas, they become directly attacked, they can be directly invaded, uh, di directly oppressed and directly possessed by agents of hell. And the Bible is very, very clear that it condemns this outright. Deuteronomy chapter 18, Exodus 7, Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20, 1 Chronicles 10, 2 Kings 21, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 8, Jeremiah 27, Zechariah 10, Malachi 3, Acts 9, Acts 16, Galatians 5, 2 Timothy 3, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. Let me begin wrapping up this talk. Summary. Alright, we've got six steps taking us into hell. The enemy's works behind man's ideas. So, wherever he is at work, you're going to see examples of that coming through the philosophies that he, that he promotes. And so we've got formalism, which is a faith in tradition. We deny God right to change us. We've got materialism. Because we starting to love the created things more than the creator. We've got humanism, which we start to do away with our belief in sin and judgment. We've got modernism, where we now start to put faith in men. And we look to um, governments to start looking after us. And we begin to tear away at huge chunks of the word of God. Now we move into the area of atheism, which is rationalism. Where now we start to just tear away our belief in God altogether. And um, then we go into the three things of government, socialism or spiritualism, where you know we, we need to rule ourselves somehow without God. Existentialism, we start to now move into the area of searching for things, the meaning of life. And that opens us up ultimately into spiritualism, which is the uh, area of the devil where, the, where people will start to go in and look for meaning of, in life from him and his areas. The first two deal with religious deceit. The second two, atheistic deceit. And the last two, occultic deception. Effectively, everything on the staircase is, is, is connected. And you've got to really know your word. Be in connection with people that are able to safeguard you. And also connect with the Holy Spirit and have the activation of the discerning of spirits. Because these philosophies are now coming into the church through false apostles, through false 
prophets and through false teachers. And, and, and the rest of the series that we go into, we're going to be looking at specific areas of and teachings and teachers with, who, who, who are promoting these philosophies of Satan, these doctrines of demons. Right. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what he has been, so that people are without excuse. No one is going to be able to stand before God and think because they believed in one of these systems fully and completely and sincerely that they can be excused because no one is without excuse. God has somehow or other ministered to every single human being on this earth. In formalism, we see the failure begin where a religious person says, God doesn't have the right to change me. Materialism is where we begin to pay too much attention to the things of this world and not the things of God. Humanism is where we start to ignore God prompting us with regards to the sin that we are committing. We start to do things that neutralize that alarm bell. Modern, modernism is when we start to fiddle around with God's word and we end up tearing away huge portions of God's word to suit the current modern circumstances. Rationalism is now where we begin to outrightly and openly, openly just strip away every form of God and we can basically come to a point where we don't even believe in God himself. Marxism, where now I'm ready to join a social movement to change mankind without God. Because Marxism and communism and socialism can't meet my spiritual needs, I now start to experiment and investigate the meaning of life where anything goes. And this will open the door to spiritism, which is finding satanic answers and allowing the enemy to come into our hearts and we begin to outrightly worship the enemy. The enemy is drawing millions upon millions upon millions of people down these various paths of philosophies into his arms where they will worship him Many openly knowing who he is and many just sincerely thinking that he is actually God. He clouds their consciences. He's convincing that they're doing right things by doing righteous things. And he always and continuously blinds them to the warnings of God. Proverbs 14.12 There is a way that appears to be right but in the end, it leads to death. Now, I want to give you this warning. Satan is already at work in the world. Jesus himself said it in John 14.30. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. We know from the writings of Paul that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. 
And so what we need to start doing is we need to start becoming very, very discerning with regards to what we are actually listening to and who is actually bringing those teachings. And so in the process of the next few weeks, Carolyn and I will be examining various different types of teachings. I will look at the teachings with regards to Jesus next coming from Gnosticism, where we are encouraged to call ourselves little gods. We'll move into studying the knowledge-based occultism that that is coming into the church, experiential theology. Uh, We'll look at the emerging church movement where they are applying the philosophies of modernism to the church by stripping away God's word to suit situations today. We'll look at what it means to be in a cult or to be in a church that's a church but actually... It's using cultic methods to entrap people with these various philosophies. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll just be calling them out for what they are. So pray for us, and we'll be praying for you. And the next message I'm going to be giving you is an introduction to Gnosticism, which is an introduction to my sermon coming this Sunday, which will be on Jesus. Thank you. God bless. Thank you.